Today is Friday, February 10th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The death toll continues to climb in that Turkey earthquake. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. Email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me as always to get through the news of the Cray, Billy Hallowell. Trey Gons Phillips, it is Friday, fellas. We've made it. What's up? How you guys doing? I mean, I'm excited, and I'm just so happy that we provide this service to the world. Yes. I really am. I mean, how does the week fly by this quickly? I, I, I know, know that the podcast is quick start, but yeah, yeah. still. The, the only way I think it does is because we have us and you, the listener. We're here together. I mean, honestly, like honestly, I, the news is so crazy. This is what we do for a living. We look through the news, and it's we say it every day, but it's true. It, it doesn't get any less crazy every day. So I, I feel completely comfortable saying the news of the cray uh, because it is. But uh, but yeah. honestly, what is life if you can't go through it with some like-minded folks? And uh, that's why it's great to have all of you here each and every weekday morning at seven a.m. I love it. Uh, but what do we have coming up, guys? On the uh, focus story. Oh, wow. This is an interesting one. These two cops who are getting a lot of praise for how they handled the situation. And it's it's pretty heartwarming and incredible. We also speak on the main thing to a legendary former FBI agent who really kind of criticized the agency now and says it's become a quote unquote threat to democracy. CBN's Dale Hurd has that interview. That's going to be coming up on the main thing. First, we're going to get through the headlines here in 90 seconds. And the death toll has risen now to about 20,000 people that have been killed. And tens of thousands have been injured now after that 7.8 magnitude earthquake hit in Turkey and Syria on Monday. People are still searching and uh, teams of rescuers are searching for survivors. But with each passing day, hope of finding people alive is growing more and more dim. And then adding to the difficulties is it's winter and there's more snowfall coming right now and they're calling it a secondary disaster so continued prayers there and um, go over to cbnnews.com we're going to be having a a prayer event for uh, the people caught up in this over the weekend also the select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government held its first hearing yesterday there were two panels to discuss the politicization of the fbi and the doj and the attacks that have been on american civil liberties jim jordan's the chair of that and finally hillsong church has announced its new global pastors this after a series of controversies with their uh, previous pastors you can read more uh, about that story and others over at cbnnews.com. So, fellas, it's um, interesting to see. You know, I had to chuckle. I saw in the Washington Post, you know, democracy dies in the darkness is their slogan. Their analysis of the select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government was that it was essentially a dog and pony show, and it was the GOP who was more of a threat than anything. Um, you know, the GOP who's running this is more of a threat than the supposed weaponization of the FBI and DOJ. And I just thought coming from the organization that brands itself democracy dies in the darkness in a reference to not holding the government in check, not keeping them honest, was, uh, was rich. 
Well, look, if Truth Social, right, Trump's, you know, <laughs> online platform was hiding things or manipulating things while he was president, right, if he was in control of that still, these stories they would write would be scathing. Yeah. And I think this is the, the, the problem that this country has is that too many people are not willing to look past their own belief system to call out what is wrong, even if it's on their side. And I think we, we see that too often in the media because of the bias. And to me, this should be a concern no matter what side you're on. Yeah. Yeah, but I th how do you even begin to have that kind of a conversation, though, when you look at all of the legacy media and they're all so clearly in one in one ideological corner and there's a complete refusal to acknowledge that either because they just intentionally don't want to or a lot of them probably don't really recognize it because they're they've kind of created these echo chambers and newsrooms across the country. So I think when the gatekeepers are so far in one direction, it's hard to even know how to have the conversation, which I think is is the issue that we've had. That's why conspiracy theories end up cropping up so easily and they spread like wildfire because, you know, you can piece enough little things together and say, well, this is this looks true and this could be true. So then all kinds of stuff starts spreading. We just have created a monster, I think, with our unwillingness to acknowledge the bias that exists. Yeah. Definitely on both sides, but the legacy media sort of has kind of the corner on that right now right and look everyone has a bias everyone no matter how hard you try to remain fairly neutral you know you're gonna there are gonna be some ways you see things that are gonna bleed into how you write we all experience that as writers and news producers and things of that nature and so no one's perfect but it is remarkable to me it never ceases to amaze me how many egregious mistakes these large newspapers that have Endless amounts of resources. Um, you know, CBN News, we are a we have a great news team, but compared to the size of the New York Times, I, I mean we're it's it's not even it's not even a comparison. And so they have layers and layers of people checking these things and the errors they make and and the intentional, I think they're not they're less errors and more intentional spin. It's it's unbelievable that there's not one person in the room who says, you know what? That's blatant spin right there. And I mean, we do that. You know, we don't want to sound, um, you know, like a like a, you know, I don't know, like a hot topic blogger. Like that's that's not our goal here. Um, we're presenting news from a Christian perspective as best we can. But it sure seems like these major legacy outlets have no problem doing that. Well, yeah. And, and again, you know, Trey, you mentioned the echo chamber. When you live in a big city, right, and you're working for an outlet and you've been taught in journalism school, and this yeah. is a much deeper conversation, but nobody has opinion. You know, you don't have an opinion as a journalist. You're your center of the road. These people with very progressive opinions believe they're center of the road. They really believe that. Um, and so that just adds to the problem because you're surrounded by everybody it's else true. who's really a liberal masquerading as though they're not. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's part of been that's what we've been saying for so long when it comes to the sexuality issue too, right? Is the the secular world and the media and entertainment industry have said, well, the drag queen story hours, those are the that's that's the middle ground. When like fifteen years ago, obviously that would have been obviously everybody would look and scratch their heads and said, That's this is not normal. People shouldn't be doing this. But now in 2023, it's like, well, that's the middle ground. They're just having fun. Why are you naysayers trying to, to chime in here? So, yeah, I think we've, we've so lost, I think, the mark of, of morality in our culture. Mm. Yeah, indeed. So, um, you know, it's it's worth keeping an eye on as as it's so easy 
to allow the spin to sort of become the playing field we play on and, and accept that. And, you know, we should call out when there's blatant bias and, and, or at least acknowledge those biases, which like you guys were saying, explaining, it doesn't seem like uh, people are willing to do, but that's just another great reason to spend most of your time searching the news over on cbnnews.com and faithwire.com and on this podcast and um, all the other fine things that are coming out on our YouTube channel and everywhere else. So, um, just go ahead and do that and it'll be a lot better experience for you. But nevertheless, let's head on over to our, our next story here. And two cops are getting a lot of attention for all the right reasons. What's the story here, Billy? So, you know, we'll start with these two officers because they were called to this car on the side of the road. Somebody called in and said, look, there's a guy. It looks like he might be passed out. He's in his car. The car is parked. I think you guys should go check it out. And so the Macomb County Sheriff's Office sent two deputies out, Jacob Thorne and Fred Parasic, and the two of them went out there. And, you know, you hear so many negative cop stories, right? I mean, that's a lot of what is, you know, perpetuated and put out there. It's amazing to see this story because these two cops could not have been more caring and compassionate. And the entire interaction was captured on a body cam. And that part of that body cam was released. And so you can watch it over on faithwire.com. But basically, when they got to the scene, they found a guy and they called him Joe. They gave him a pseudonym because they they wanted to protect his privacy. He was very emotional. Um, He said, I'm not going to hurt myself. You know, there was some worry that maybe this person was suicidal, but I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm just really upset. Um, And so they start interacting with him and they ask what they could do to help. And there's this really kind of heartbreaking moment. You know, the guy's in his car and he's like, I could just really use a hug. And he just breaks down crying. This guy clearly going through a lot, right? Yeah. And the cop is saying, one of them, he's like, look, we know Thorne. He's like, we know that you're in a lot of pain. We know you're dealing with a lot. I'll give you a hug. He gives him a hug. And the guy just breaks down, you know, with this cop. And that's not the end of the interaction, though. These cops spend a long time sitting with this guy, talking to him, um, telling him, look, you know, we can get you help. There's a place you can call if you're struggling. And they give him a number. But then they give him their numbers. And they're like, if you call us, we will come out and meet you. You call that number whenever you need us. If this, co- if you start feeling this again, we are there for you. Um, and there's this point where the guy's like, I appreciate it. I-, I feel a lot better. And they hug again at the end of this interaction. It was really an interesting moment to see police, you know, being human beings, which police do, most police are this way. We just don't always get to see it, right? Yeah. Um, and just being there for this person who was clearly in crisis. Yeah, that is that is a great story. And uh, a side you don't get to see a lot. I mean, there are I mean, we get to only really see the interactions that go bad. Right. And there are millions of millions of interactions that are you know, maybe not as remarkable as this one, but certainly that are helpful uh, and great gestures from the cops that that they're not going to make news, you know, and unfortunately, we our media thrives on, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. And they throw that up there on, on the front page every day. And so um, it's great to see this. And another thing I'll add on it, guys, is that I'm sure that, you know, the interaction, at least perceived by the man that was distressed, what came across as authentic, right? I think people can tell when somebody's just sort of saying it and when somebody actually means it. And for someone to be that vulnerable in that moment, and then for those officers to respond with such humanity, 
um, probably went a long way to, for turning things around. Well, one more quick thing. The department also, the, the sheriff's office, put out um, a really interesting statement, right, on Facebook about this. And at the end of it, they said, we all have good days, bad days, and days that we feel we might not make it through, but you can. And then they said, you know, we're all human. And I thought, wow. Like, they, they took it a step further to show, like, this is a moment that shows something really powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the cool thing about telling these stories or why I think it's so important to tell these stories is because more often than not, people just need someone to show them what it is to be kind in your sphere of influence and to set a good example of what it is to do the right thing for somebody. What these cops did wasn't extravagant. It didn't require a whole lot of work on their part. It was really simple. And I think a lot of times when people see stories like that, I know when I see stories like that, the first thing I think, obviously, one is how incredible and and cool that people are doing that for other people. And then the second thing I think is, who could I do something like that for? Who could I extend my my hand or give a little bit more time or give some money to uh, that 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 that's in need of something? And I think if we shared more stories like that, uh, then maybe we would yeah. see a lot more of a ripple effect of kindness. Instead, we're like you were saying, Dan, we're seeing all of these negative stories day in and day out, and that's affecting our psyche. Like mm-hmm. it, it can't not have an impact on us when we're reading all of this doom and gloom every day. There's a lot of great stuff happening, and I think it's great that we're able to highlight some of that at, at CBN and Faithwire. I agree completely. Um, couldn't couldn't agree with that more. And that's why. And you know, I kind of half kiddingly said it because obviously we work at CBN, but um, it's true. You're you know. If you're not going to see stories like this frequently, you, you're right, Trey. You're going to end up coming. There's a better chance you're going to not like officers if all you ever see is officers shoot another man uh, unjustly. And that's all you see, even though that is such an extreme minority of police interactions with people. Um, it, it's, it can't help but impact you. So hopefully this um, type of a story will impact and, and show a more balanced view of kind of what's actually happening out there. So. I appreciate you bringing that story there. Billy, we're going to head over to the main thing now. And Republican Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan had they had their first um, hearing yesterday on the with this new um, committee, this weaponization of government committee. And they are taking a close look right at the FBI. And CBN's Dale Hurd caught up with um, a legendary FBI agent, Agent Thomas Baker, who has a book out now talking about his career. Um, He was on the scene when Ronald Reagan was shot in 1981, and then he worked under many different FBI directors over the year. But he is saying now that the Bureau is kind of out of control and that it is a threat to democracy. Well, Dale caught up with him for today's main thing. Thomas Baker has been called an FBI legend. He was the first agent on the scene when President Reagan was shot in 1981 and worked under and alongside many different FBI directors over his 33-year career. With his new book, The Fall of the FBI, Baker is one of the most senior figures to write that the FBI has become a threat to democracy. The, the biggest factor, I believe, and, and what it all traces back to is a change in culture. It began with Robert Mueller and the bad consequences of it became apparent in the in the succeeding years. Baker says the beginning of the fall of the FBI can be traced to a specific moment in time. It was three days after 9-11. In those three days, the FBI had managed to identify all 19 9-11 hijackers, their associates and their connections to Al Qaeda. 
It was remarkable police work, and FBI Director Robert Mueller was expecting to hear praise when he informed President George W. Bush. And instead, George Bush dismissively said to him, I don't care about any of that. I just want to know how you're going to prevent the next one. Mueller was humiliated. He resolved after that encounter to change the FBI from a law enforcement organization to an domestic intelligence organization. Then, just weeks later, Congress passed the USA Patriot Act. Along with the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA, these tools intended to fight terrorism would be used against American citizens. Conservatives, pro-life Christians, and even school parents have become targets of the FBI. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan says he's been contacted by dozens of FBI whistleblowers, and he's vowing to expose FBI corruption. We had a Department of Justice that treated moms and dads as terrorists. We had the FBI that paid Twitter $3 million to censor conservative viewpoints on their platform. In 2020, they suppressed the Hunter Biden story. It's been weaponized against the very people they're supposed to serve. A Gallup poll last year found that almost 80 percent of Democrats had a favorable view of the FBI, but among Republicans, it was less than 30 percent. Baker says the FBI is a threat to all Americans. It's a threat on the right and the left. What's been happening to conservatives in the last couple of years could just as easily happen to liberals. And, and sincere Democrats who are concerned about civil rights or civil, civil liberties should definitely unite with Republicans in trying to reform the FBI. The out-of-control domestic intelligence agency set in motion by Robert Mueller was, according to Baker, brought to a head by James Comey, who Baker calls the worst FBI director in history. And a lot of the employees liked him because he was very easy on people. And a lot of bad stuff was allowed to happen that he should have spoken up about. Comey would be fired, as were the other figures in the Russian collusion scandal. And... The bureau executives keep saying, well, all the rotten apples, they're gone. But they, they still have not looked at the fundamental problem. Why does this keep happening? And what needs to happen is the culture needs to be changed. Baker says the FBI needs a serious shakeup, but he's not at all confident it will happen. Far from cutting back the FBI, the federal government is going forward with plans for a new FBI headquarters, twice the size of the Pentagon. Dale Hurd, CBN News. All right, Dale, thanks so much for that conversation there. Really appreciate that. This is going to be an ongoing story. We followed it, obviously, with Mark Houck and others, uh, and we're going to continue to keep an eye on that uh, over at CBNNews.com and FaithWire.com. Well, that's going to leave us with time today for one last thing. Matthew 26, 39, this is when Jesus, before the crucifixion, he's in the garden, he's praying, and he's clearly asking God, you know, if there's another way, um, you know, please, he says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And yeah. that is such a powerful prayer that we can all actually glean a lot from in our own lives. Yeah, and that moment's always struck me in scripture, because here is, you know, the son, the, you know, the the son of the Trinity, um, and still making that prayer to our heavenly father. And so you think if he it was, obviously he's suffering an immense amount, but he still felt, you know, he's the, he's the king of the universe and he still felt that kind of suffering. So 
he could identify with with us and with the sufferings that we go through. And so we we can go to him knowing that whatever suffering we are going through, he he experienced that and understands it. And I think that verse just just speaks to that, to to what he was going through at that time. Yeah, I mean, to really, uh, to be able to read a passage and to know that the creator of the universe yeah. felt all of that weight, right? Uh, and, and to know that he still chose us, I think is just such a, such a beautiful, such a beautiful picture of, of obedience, but also of love, right? Of, of a mm-hmm. willingness to sacrifice. Like, this is going to be awful. We, uh, there's not even a word in our vocabulary to describe how horrendous what he went through was, but he was still willing to do it because he loved us that much. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Great spot to leave it here for this week. And uh, of course, it's Super Bowl weekend. I know you guys are excited, right? Big sports fans. Gonna be I watching mean, I the, like I like it. Game. Food and commercials. <laughs> I gotta learn to use my TV in order to enjoy. <laughs> well, I'll fill you in on Monday what happened. I live in the <laughs> Philadelphia area and I am uh uh really terrified that the Eagles are gonna win because then I'll just I'll never hear the end of it up here. you don't know what it's like if you're not from the Philadelphia area. John Stolness knows. Lord, on that creek, don't rise. We'll be back here on Monday with more. God bless. See you then.